Hey friends, and welcome to Body Image with Brie, the podcast. I am your host, Brie, or Brianna Campos. I'm a licensed mental health counselor in the state of New Jersey, and I'm also a body image coach and educator. I also have clinical experience working with eating disorders. This podcast is designed to help you make peace with your current body. Join me as we explore the ins and outs of diet culture, body image, and learn how to make peace in the skin you're in. Hey friends, and welcome to another episode of Body Image with Brie, the podcast. I am so excited to have y'all listen to this episode that we have for you today. Um, I'm always very transparent with you. Uh, this The interview was recorded probably sometime in 2020. I don't know. I don't even remember. And this is like the third time I've tried to record the intro, so we're just going to go with it. Um, so today's episode, we interviewed my friend and colleague, Rebecca Marvick, who is a licensed professional counselor and a marriage and family therapist in Denver, Colorado. And she's also on Instagram, millennial therapist. And y'all, she is just a breath of fresh air in this field. I have never met someone who I just, I look up to her in so many ways. Um, she just embodies empathy and grace and, um, Yeah, she's a terrific clinician, but that wasn't even the reason I wanted to bring her on my podcast. (laughs) I mean, it helped, but she had a post sometime this summer where she shared about um, her wedding ring no longer fitting on her finger, and there was such transparency in that post, and it went semi-viral. It was a, she, she posted well, and I imagine that's because it was pretty relatable. So, um, yeah, so throughout this episode, we just talk a little bit about body acceptance, body grief, and all of the facets and caveats through that. So, um, but speaking of body grief, if you're listening to this episode in March of 2021, I'm currently taking enrollment to my body grievers group. So if you or someone you know is currently feeling stuck in their own journey to body acceptance, I would really encourage you to send them my way. Uh, They have the link in my bio, and it's also accessible um, on my website, bodyimagewithbree.com, which is finally up and running. Um, It's a little bit of a mess, so I usually just send people to Instagram. And so, yeah, um, but if if the Body Groovers group isn't right for you right now or in general, I, I just hope that you can take something away from Becca's experience. So without further ado, um, let's go talk to Becca. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Body Image with Brie. Today, we have my dear friend and colleague, Rebecca Morvik, the millennial therapist on Instagram. Hi, Becca. Thanks for being here today. Hi, Bree. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to chat. I feel like we should we should share with my audience how we met on Instagram. <laughs> I wish I would have screenshotted it and saved it so I knew <laughs> what happened. 
I actually think I remember exactly what happened. I think I posted something about grief, like body grief. I think I had said, what would you say? And then you said something, you commented on my post and I immediately got defensive and was like, what do you mean by that? And, and then we always joke that because we both lead with an Enneagram too. I was like, I'm so sorry for misunderstanding. You were like, no, I'm so sorry for misunderstanding. I was just trying to answer your question and I'm sorry. And I think it shows, I mean, it shows one, just part of the downfall of social media, but that we were able to just work through that. And now I consider you one of my closest friends on the internet. Yes, same. Yes. I, you know, I think like everyone saw, I want to interact on Instagram with like, like like-minded professionals um, because that's how I met Natalie, who now works for me and is also a dear, dear friend of mine. And, um, so, but there's always that, um, fear of of messing up or not being, not coming across right. But I love, love, love that we DM'd each other and we're like, we should hang out. That that was like the conclusion of our conflict. And we did. (laughs) And then we did. I know that I tell you this all the time. Anybody that I bring on my podcast, I feel this way, but I deeply honor and respect your work. And I think just clinically, I, I, I respect you so much and I love learning from you. So I'm so honored you would take the time to be here today. Thank you, Brie. You're welcome. So I'm actually, this is going to be a different episode. So usually I lead with the same question of, can you share a difficult body image day that you've had? But instead, I'm going to ask you about a specific situation because uh, you had posted something on Instagram that I think resonated with a lot of people. So you had posted a photo of you getting your wedding band cut off your finger. And well, first let me ask, did you anticipate it resonating with so many people? No, I had no idea. What was that like? I think that it felt like really vulnerable to share. I knew I wanted to share it because I needed it normalized for myself. And I had seen therapists post about something similar probably two years before I decided to cut off my ring and my ring was stuck on my finger for three years. So I, by the time I had seen her post, I knew my ring was stuck, but it still didn't feel, I still had shame about it. And so it felt really vulnerable. And then it felt just like, why are we not talking about this? Oh yeah. One more thing that people and women in particular are taught to be ashamed of that is actually a really, really normal thing. Yeah. And I think it just beginning to normalize changing bodies, that bodies change. They're supposed to change. I think you had said three years. It's been three years. It's been stuck. Of course your body has changed in three years, but I think many people would see that for themselves as failure as I have failed. Yeah. And so can you talk us through sort of the trajectory of how you ended up posting that photo on Instagram. Can I speak first on how the ring got stuck? Because I think that's important. I think that I was a weight cycler my for almost 15 years. And um, I had given up weight cycling in 
2015 or 2016 and started listening to Christy Harrison and figuring out about intuitive eating and kind of being like, I think there might be another way. And so my body changed as I entered into that process. And I remember my ring being tight and like forcing it off and then being scared to put it back on. And I remember like sticking my hand in the freezer and not even thinking like this is something I should address. I just was so used to just leftover component of diet culture and the thin ideal that I was so not conscious of. Like I was making all these connections in other areas of my life and not my finger. And I remember the last time I took it off was in 2017. And I thought about not putting it on, but I didn't want my family to know. And I didn't want my partner to know. And so I just like held a lot of shame and then compartmentalized it, which is kind of crazy that we can do that. We can just like bury things, but not really. They show up in other ways. It's a self-protective measure. Yeah, right? yeah, it's, a, it's totally. a survival tool. And I don't really know. I think that, so by that time that I was kind of taking it off and taking it on, I was moving along in my body acceptance journey. And then I just think that this three years later, I really, truly felt pretty neutral about it. I truly, not from like, a, I want to feel neutral about this, but from a, Oh, interesting. I feel neutral about this. And I would like to not have this tight metal around my finger anymore. And I think, um, so I first told my partner, Chad, and he's nothing but supportive always of my changing body. And he was just like, well, we tried like a few things to get it off. We like tried string. We tried all these things. And he was like, no, we need to go get that taken care of. So I think that how it unfolded was having someone who reassures you that there isn't any shame here. And then the hardest part, I think, was actually telling my mom. My mom has come a long way with me in body acceptance and, and health at every size. But she's also a product of her generation and her culture and the thin ideal. And so I was really nervous to tell her. I was scared. And they were all lies, which is interesting because as I say them now, I'm like, my mom wouldn't judge me for this. But I was like, she's going to think I'm terrible. She's going to be like, see, you are fat and fat is bad. And these aren't words that my mom says. So it's crazy how this little gremlin inside made it seem like this is something you should be ashamed of. And your mom is going to be so disappointed in you. (laughs) And I told her and she's like, oh my gosh, how can you be wearing a ring that doesn't fit? We need to go get that cut off. It's so easy. Let's go. Wow. And so it was actually this like whim decision. I was getting my car worked on and my mom lives like a town over from me and I was in over in her area and she picked me and Chad up because we were both having worked on our cars and we went and got burgers at Five Guys, which is my favorite burger. Nice. And it happened to be right next to the jeweler. And she was like, why don't we just go now? And I was like, oh, yeah. So I, it wasn't, I wasn't prepared, but it was really interesting having these two kind of primary attachment figures in my life, my partner and my mom, just be like, no big deal, Becca. Mm. Like, let's get this taken care of. You deserve this. So it's almost like the gremlins in your brain were worse than what actually was happening in real life. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned that you and I lead with a two on the Enneagram. So I feel like a lot of my growth has been body acceptance, but it's also been acceptance of love and help from other people. 
that they're all connected. It's all connected with my body acceptance, right? Like letting, letting my husband love me and, and love and accept my body is deeply connected to that journey for myself. And knowing that my parents don't love me more if I'm smaller, which was one of my gremlin thoughts. And then allowing them to hold up a mirror to me. They're like holding up a mirror and saying, you're worth it. You, you're worth having jewelry that fits Becca. And receiving that and saying, okay, instead of doing what I normally do, which is, no, I must show up in what the world tells me how to show up in order to be okay. So I must have thin fingers. What a weird thought to have. Right. And it's not like you could just resize the band. It was yeah. stuck. I feel like it's such a powerful image because I imagine probably feeling stuck in your body acceptance then as well, because there's this constant reminder of, oh yeah, there's a piece of metal yeah. trapped around my finger. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, Brie, that, yeah, you're just doing therapy on me right now. <laughs> um, yeah. And then posting it, but this feels connected posting it. You're right. I was stuck in my body image journey because there was maybe a part of me and I really wasn't conscious of this, yeah. that there was maybe a part of me that was still hoping I'd be a good girl yeah. and intuitive eating and accepting my body would lead me to a smaller body. And yeah. then everybody would see I'm good. And when I post something on the internet, I'm posting it for everyone. And I'm one of my gremlins is that people in my past shouldn't see it because they'll see what a failure I am. Yeah. And so I think that that's when you just said I was stuck in my body of a journey. That's what I was still stuck on. And posting that like freed me from it. Because wow. I'm like, yeah, here but I am. A ring got stuck on my finger and I had to get it cut off. And I, it's wonderful. Wow. And this is why I asked this because as somebody who also posts a lot about my journey, there are still things that I'm like, oh, I won't post about that because uh -huh. there's stuff that I have not processed through on my own. I process through, yeah. I post what I've processed through. So for you to get to that point to not only cut the ring off, but then to share that with the world. I mean, that's powerful. I'm getting chills just thinking about that because I know what it's like to be in the depths of that shame yeah. and to feel like, well, this isn't going to get any easier. And then to wake up one day and be like, oh, wow, I do feel neutral about this. Yeah. It's powerful. And it's just this freedom with jewelry. It was kind of like the last frontier for me because I've gotten really comfortable with like buying clothes that fit me and like, and, and that piece of my body taking care of my body but there were these unconscious messages and that's left over I can remember participating in one diet or another that I maybe went to meetings mm -hmm. and in the meetings we would celebrate yeah. non-scale victories and a non-scale victory would yeah. be like my rings are too big and I'm like what a weird world that we live in that like we're so celebrating like the size of our fingers as though that is some sort of freaking accomplishment. Mm. If that's my biggest accomplishment, then like, that's not, no. And I think back to, cause I have also participated in many a diets in my life, but the community that comes with being able to celebrate that, I never realized how much diet culture is like a cult. It offers you that acceptance, that belonging, that community, that love, that as twos, we seek mm -hmm. so much. We are people pleasers because we are trying to get our needs met. And so our bodies are symbolic of what we're trying to accomplish. If I can yeah. control my body, then I can get you to love me. 
And yeah. when I realized, wow, I would never hold that to anyone else in my life. There yeah. was no one that I'm like, oh, your body's different. I can't love you anymore. Then I, I realized how disordered my own thinking about my body was. Yeah. When you just said that it's symbolic, I'm like, yeah, it is symbolic because I'm craving this belonging. I'm getting it in the most shallow way that I could. Yes. Because, because since then, so like since that meeting that I sat in, they made me believe that the thinness or thickness of my fingers mattered. And when I let that go, that's when my relationship deepened, you know? Becca, permission to say no, but I wonder too, if you would feel comfortable talking a little bit about your body size changing in your relationship, because I feel like that is something that many, many people that I work with specifically in my body groupers group, that's their worst fear. The narrative they tell themselves is my body's going to be different and my partner's going to believe I failed them. I think that's maybe different for different people. The only experience I can speak to is my own. Sure. So it may not feel like it applies. It is what it is. My partner and I have been together for a long time. We've been together for 15 years. And so obviously over 15 years, my body has changed a lot. And I think that I am lucky. No, I don't want to say I'm lucky. That's, mm. See, that's, that's leftover culture stuff. I feel honored to walk through life with a partner who is naturally weight neutral. And that's what I deserve anyway. And you think about your own partner. If somebody is partnered and you think about your partner and you think about if their body shifts, will you love them less? The answer is likely no. And if it is, then you probably have some work to do. There's probably some other component of the relationship that maybe needs focused on. I've had clients who have said this exact thing that their partners do make them feel bad when their body changes. And I have to encourage them that a you problem or is that a them problem? Yeah, that's a them problem. That's so hard when it's so personal. I'll often use this example with clients. Imagine that I prefer the color pink over the color purple. If somebody is going to stop loving me in the same way because of that choice, that doesn't feel like love. That feels manipulative in a way. Yeah. I mean, and it speaks to how diet culture is pervasive in the education of people in learning what relationships are and what they're for. I think that in general, we don't do a good job at teaching people how to be in relationships and then Mm -hmm. media portray relationships as being these like really just physical things. And that's what it's about. If your partner is not okay with a changing body, then they probably aren't okay with that in themselves. I feel stuck in grief about that for people. And I know that you deserve a partner who doesn't change their love based on what's going on with you physically. That's why I do believe in like the beauty of long-term committed relationship and marriage and that promise of saying like, I'm not choosing to be with you for this thing that is not static. Mm -hmm. My hair will not always be this length. It will not always be brown. One day it will turn gray. And my partner is like, well, you need to dye your hair forever. Well, what if that's not a choice I want to make? And so I think that there's an invitation here for men in particular to really look into the messages that they've been given and where those messages are probably wrong. And just that diet culture affects 
men just as much as it does women and that they have been taught the same messages on the beauty myth as well and what's to be expected. And I also wanted to kind of circle back too, because it's interesting that the fear about cutting the ring off came not just from your fear of what your partner would think, but what your parent would think. And that's another sore place for a lot of people of this is an area I was shamed as a child. And maybe you didn't have that specific experience. I know even just witnessing people in my family hating their own body. I learned to hate my own body because I watched them do it. So you never had to tell me that my body was wrong. I learned that by watching you hate yours. And so it almost seems like as you're talking, it's this younger Becca who is afraid that she's going to disappoint someone. Yeah, you need a new ring. We should have not put it back on when it started to be a little tight. But there's so many things that we have to unpack because it's Uh not just the ring not fitting, but the disappointment of potentially your partner or your parent having to go into a place. And didn't you say also that they said that's pretty normal that a lot of people. Yeah. They were like, we do this all the time. They have a special machine for it. And I walked in and I said, you know, I need to get my ring cut off. She just like warmly was like, great. Of course we do this all the time. It'll take two minutes. And then the jeweler came over and they were just so neutral. I was like, Oh, this is so easy. Why didn't I do this three years ago? You just said something you said, it's like younger Becca. And it was because it was younger Becca trying to figure it, figure out how to change my body, which I couldn't. I was a growing girl and that wasn't for me to do. I was a ballet dancer. And so I wanted my body to look a certain way, but had no idea how to make that happen. I couldn't stop my boobs from growing. And I really just wanted them to like stop stay in in. (laughs) and that's what it felt like with the ring was I want this to change and I don't know how so it was like a helpless feeling and I think what I needed was a parent myself and my partner to say no 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 this is just the way your body is you have breasts and that you can still be a ballet dancer your fingers aren't as slim as they were seven years ago eight years ago when you got engaged and And that's just something that happened Yeah, I love the idea of reparenting and it's something that I'm actively doing research on because I think it is a key in healing our body grief. And I'll give you just a brief example. The other night I have a minor sinus infection and I was feeling really lethargic and tired and I was frustrated with my body and I had to stop saying like, Brie, like, come on, like, it's a holiday. We have to get it together. And I was like, no, like your body is good. Even now it's okay. She's telling you what she needs. Let's listen to her. And I imagine if I could have told childhood Brie that, how would that have changed the trajectory of her relationship with her body growing up of being a loving inner parent to herself or having a loving parent who continually reminded, hey, bodies are good. Bodies change. Bodies are good even when they're sick, even when they're larger than they were, even when you have to cut off your ring, your body is Uh still good. Yeah. And you literally have just given me like hours of therapy in these, in however long we're talking about, because that just reminded me of the reparenting, but also my parent just reminded me of this. I think that's the connection is my yes. parent just reminded me, Bree, you said I was still tied to something. There was like something yeah. tied to me and it was symbolic. And my wedding band 
I needed a new one anyways, because my wedding man itself was a product of diet culture and that was left on me. So I think that's really interesting too. My engagement ring still can fit, but I'm going to get it resized so it's more comfortable. My wedding band was a size smaller than my engagement ring because you buy your wedding band after. So you like get engaged and then you go and you get your wedding band for the wedding. And I wanted, because it was important to me at that time, mm-hmm. to have the smallest size possible. Yeah. So my wedding man was a smaller size than my engagement ring. And I don't know that I just made that connection. So thanks for making that connection to me. But my parent is saying a little Becca, like that ring didn't serve you. It didn't serve you then. And it didn't serve you when it was stuck. And we're going to get it off and we're going to get one that serves you. We're going to get one that fits you. And that's okay. And yeah. it says nothing about you or who you are or how good you are or how good your body is. And I think too, we get stuck in this mentality that bodies are good based off of what they can do. And that feels very familiar for us as twos of my worth and value is connected in what I can do for people as opposed to my worth and value being inherent of by existing, by being able to sit here with you and have this conversation that we we have inherent value that this is why my body exists. So I can sit here and do this with you, not to be an ornament of beauty or prettiness for the world, not to fit a certain mold. And so I've just really focusing in on that of our body's goodness, but of also figuring out where the wounding started because it didn't start with the ring. It, Probably started long ago. And and this is the other thing too. I also feel like this was a new level for you in your body freedom. And yeah. I'm just excited for where the next one's going to come too. I know. <laughs> because it doesn't mean that be? you're not body positive. Again, I highly revere you in this work and have seen your work impact even just my life. But how much more are you going to learn in 10 years from now that current Becca didn't realize and is going to know? And that's why I always call it an archaeological dig, because there's always more to continue learning. And it's worth it because the product isn't just body acceptance. I mean, yes, I get that. And that's cool. But it's so much more than that, because once I'm accepting of my body, then I'm freer to be me in all other areas. So then my body isn't even a thing that takes up any of my brain space. My brain space is free to to do kick-ass things in this life. I think that is an interesting thing. My I had to get my ring cut off this year and I'm in the largest body I've existed in. And I'm also the most successful that I've ever been. I'm the most successful in relationships, in my job, in friendship, in life goals, in showing up daily as authentically as who I am. And it has literally nothing to do with my body size. Yes. I was thinking about that too, of like, I'm the largest that I've ever been. And I am the healthiest I have ever been emotionally, relationally. There's so much success that I consider myself a budding entrepreneur. I've had a really successful year in business. Things that I always thought a smaller body was going to make me feel that I've 
arrived. And now I realize it had nothing to do with my body. And I think I'm in a different space too, especially finding new ventures of my body size, feeling a little less abled than normal. It does take up space, but it doesn't take up as much space as it used to. And I create the space for it of like, oh yeah, you know what? Like it's uncomfortable for me that this is something I used to be able to do and now I can't. It sucks. It's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't grieve me in the same way where it used to. I was just listening to your like update on defining grief. I think that's the interesting thing about grief. It's well, first of all, it's brilliant. So everybody should listen to that. But that's the thing about grief. And you talked about it not being something that goes away. And I was thinking about that with me because it's not done, but it's so different now. So like, it doesn't feel like I'm like in the depths of the depression of grief. But I was like, you learn to carry it different. It's something you've been holding for a long time and it changes shapes and then gets to come with you. There's a book. I'm going to kick myself for not remembering what it is because it's right here on this bookshelf, but there's a thing blocking it. And in the book, it talks about how grief is the old adage of saying that time heals old wounds, that that is patently incorrect. Mm -hmm. And that a better statement is that grief just becomes more familiar in time. Yeah. And that is a beautiful picture. And I remember the depths of grief as well. When it felt like it was a costing, it was quicksand and I was drowning. And what I realized now is it was multiple things happening. So it was not only the physical sensations of being devastated, but it was also the narratives that I was playing in my head. And so now I can separate out, oh, I'm feeling physical discomfort Let me use my resources. Let me use my coping skills so that I can have a rational conversation in my brain of what's real and what feels real. That's the difference thinking about the last time I was taking on and off my ring. I can remember it vividly because I was at Disney World with my family in 2017 when this was happening. And it's crazy that it's so sticking because when I was in the depths of it, that grief, then it did take up so much. That's what I remember about my Disney World trip. Mm-hmm. Is that I was just panicking about like, should I keep my ring off? Should I put it on? I don't want anyone to know that I'm struggling with this. I can like imagine myself in my hotel room, like not showing and Chad didn't know, yeah. you know, and I was like, this is what's ruminating while I'm on this awesome vacation. Okay. I'm a Disney adult. and I'm not <laughs> sorry about it with my niece and nephew. And like, I'm thinking about this, whereas more recently, the grief is I just got photos taken for my podcast with that I co-host with Sarah Brill. And it was like this, there was, I made created space for like seeing images of my body that mm-hmm. were really different from a time when I was in a smaller body. And then I continued on and it just didn't take up as much. The grief existed and was still there. But like those two things, my feelings about those photos is not going to take up as much space as my ring took up on that whole vacation. Wow. Now that just made my mind explode because I remember I was nearing the end of dieting rock bottom and it was a Thanksgiving weekend. And I remember taking a picture and being so grieved by the picture Mm -hmm. that it sent me into a spiral. And I probably could find the journals because I journaled a lot in that time. And I remember being like, I am never going to look like this again. Like, this is it. Like, I'm going to change the trajectory of my life going forward. And even that, I remember giving me that drop of dopamine of like, I'm going to overcome this. 
And now fast forward, oh God, maybe four years later, and I just got headshots done and I hated most of the photos. (laughs) I didn't love them, Mm -hmm. but it didn't cost me in the same way. It sucked. I was like, ah, damn it. Like I paid for these photos. The photographer did a beautiful job. I just wasn't comfortable in the outfit I was wearing. And I feel like there are a lot of pieces to it. It wasn't earth shattering as devastating as it was when my body size meant so much more to me. Whereas now it's like, yeah, it's a bad photo. That sucks. It feels like your inner voice too is different. That first voice, it's like, I will not look like this again. It's kind of like this military drill sergeant. That's like, yes. you won't do this. And you're like, yes, yes, ma'am. And now you have this like compassionate voice. And it's like, who do you want to like do life with, right? A, a military person like yelling at you all the time. And like, sometimes it motivates you, but mostly makes you feel like, feel like crap. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Or this like this gentle nurturing parent. Mm. Right? I know what I want. And it stole that whole vacation, like that whole I was in Florida with my family and I just could not be present because I was so consumed by how yeah. my body looked. And I remember there was this yeah. one photo that I, like- I took with with my grandpa and mm-hmm. he's God bless him. He's I think he's 83. And mm-hmm. I remember just being so sad of how I looked in the photo as opposed to being like, I have this picture with my grandpa that I'm going to get, like I get, and like, he's talking to me and I'm just so engrossed in the conversation and I'm just like Mm -hmm. looking at him. And now that, that picture is so sweet to me, even Mm -hmm. though I didn't love how I looked in the photo. Mm -hmm. So it's just powerful. Looks like you and I maybe need to go to Florida to have some um, a reparative experience. I think so. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> and and I I think that's the the beauty of it too. And 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 I don't, I wonder even just as a clinician, you could speak to this. Um, something I always say is, it's not it's not the rupture that like it's not about avoiding rupture. It's about the repair, mm-hmm. right? So when this rupture occurs. Mm-hmm. How do we how do we go back and and meet the needs that weren't met? So yeah. for me, in that moment with my picture, um, not liking the picture, I said to myself, "Okay, I don't." It was my birthday week. I was like, "I don't have time for this right now." So I'm gonna just put this. I'm gonna compartmentalize as a safety measure, just because I, I was like, I cannot handle anything else, and I'll go back to it. And when I had capacity, I went back to it, and I was like, "Okay, let's think of this logically." You took a bad photo. Nobody else is going to critique these photos as harshly as you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And people don't love you or the people that you want in your life aren't going to love you less because of the perceived flaws that you see. Yeah. And that is the acceptance. It's not, woohoo, now I love these photos. It's, Uh these photos exist. I'm still worthy of love and value and respect. And those in my life who love me will not love me less because of these perceived flaws. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I had this with, with the photos I just took too. Uh, Sarah texted me and said, the photos are here. And I said, I peeked, I peeked to them. I like went to the website and saw them and I went, I'm not in a place that I'm going to be very kind to myself right now. So I texted her, I said, thanks so much. I'm going to look at them tomorrow when I'm in a better headspace. Cause I knew I needed to come to to looking at them in in a gentle in a gentle space 
to say you're going to, I've looked at photos before. And, and the interesting thing is it has nothing to do with the photos, right? It has nothing to do with the actual photo because, um, I mean, I think just so many people have this experience of, um, feeling this way about photos and then years later being like, what was I so upset about? These are beautiful, right? I mean, I sobbed when I got my engagement photos back. And keep in mind, this is when I was in a, had a really, really tiny ring on my finger, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I just sobbed and I hated them. And they're like such treasured, beautiful photos. And so I think the other piece is when we say we took a bad photo, we also have to be mindful that like to be compassionate go, yes. We don't have to like it. And can I question where that idea of bad even comes from? Right? Because that that's that comes from that's an ideal, it comes from white supremacy, it comes from um, you know, being a woman and told I'm not enough. The patriarchy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> the beauty <laughs> myth that we're supposed to be airbrushed, right? Yeah. Like that we're supposed so, to come out unflawed. Yeah. And I hear like our goal probably I'm you know, I can't maybe I want to keep striving towards being able to see a quote unquote flawed photo of myself and feeling like I accept it immediately. I think that I want to keep working on that. And, you know, it's the air we breathe. It's the water we drink, right? As far as I've come, as far as you've come, we still exist in this culture that says that I should look a certain way. I'm not, I'm not numb to that. Right. Right. So, so being extra gentle with myself in the repair process is so important. And being okay with not taking like flawless yeah. photos. That's, yeah. that's the acceptance for me of, okay, yeah. like I'm not going to take a perfect photo, but this is also the dissonance of Becca. I think you looked so hot in all of your photos, like not just, but like, I was like, oh my gosh. And you had cheetah and just these power colors. And so I think too, we, we take such a critical eye to ourselves that I think maybe something would be helpful for my listeners is before you look at a photo, ask yourself, are my gremlins going to come out or is my gentle loving parent going to come out? And if you think maybe the gremlins are going to come out, then let's just not even give them an opportunity. Totally. Yeah. 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 That's, I mean, and I think we had that, we had an experience at the same time. We took photos around the same time. We so did. You sent me that photo and I was like, I love it. And you were like, I hate them. <laughs> I was like, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 And then yeah. again, and who knows in maybe like five years, maybe we'll look at them and be like, oh, I love these photos. Yeah. And, and that's the other thing too, that I have found, I don't know if you find this, the more I post photos of myself or I look at photos of myself, the more normalized it becomes in my mind. Yeah. So yeah, photos I, I that actually, I've once, sorry, go ahead. No. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say the photos that I took, there was like a couple that I'm like, I hate this. And now I'm like, I don't hate them that much now. Yeah. Something I actually make my clients do. So if I have a client who's listening, they're probably going to roll their eyes at me right now because <laughs> I make them do this. But as I make them take a photo of themselves, a full body photo, clothes, whatever, but every day for 30 days. Ooh. Yep. Um, because I've found that um, like the dissonance between like the fantasy body that we want to see in a photo and like our acceptance is something we need to like begin to join. Mm-hmm. And we do that by exposure, right? I've, you know, we, we, you know, I think that, and I think our mindset changes when our feed changes. And what I mean by that is like, you need to be following people in diverse bodies, right? Because 
um, any judgment you feel about bodies is because you hold a judgment of yourself. And so we undo that by exposing ourselves. And, um, uh, and so I have them do that with themselves and notice what comes up, right? Just noticing we're not doing any judgment, right? We're not, we're non-judgmental being observers and we can observe that disgust comes up or we can observe that we feel neutral, but by the end of the 30 days, I guarantee you begin to shift. Should we do this? Like, I feel like we should make this a thing. Like the 30 days of December, like posting a photo of yourself, full body and seeing how okay. you feel. <gasps> we should make this a challenge. We Let's should do, do it. it. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Because I agree for me, exposure was one of the main things to help neutralize my relationship with my yeah. own body. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Because getting used to, I think we want to, you just said, we want to look like these airbrush things. Like our bodies are much more dimensional than that. And like, you know, at the end of one, you know, I've done, I've done this myself. And at the end, I like, was like turning to the side, right? Because at first I noticed non-judgmentally that I was still trying to make myself as small as possible. Like she's quote unquote flattering angles. And by the end, I was like, oh, there's a picture of me. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think too, uh, again, expanding, just making room, making room for the discomfort. And and the other piece too, I wanted to acknowledge is I think sometimes, especially in the body image or body positive community, one of the things that we do is we use phrases and things as healing bombs that were never intended to be healing. So changing your feet doesn't change your body image, but what it will do is it will challenge the narrative that already exists in your mind. Yeah. So if you're on my page and my page is the only page that challenges that, but then you follow 50 diet culture pages, my voice is going to get drowned out because I'm one person. Yeah. yeah. The more you follow, the more bodies that you see that look like yours or look bigger than yours, the more normalized it becomes. Yeah. I mean, and that's the difference, right? When I was deep in diet culture, I followed pitspo account and like had like a pinterest board and i literally even would create like actual physical boards and like with magazine cut up like as an adult yeah yeah i'm not judging that part of me i'm sad i grieve that i grieve that for her me too that that was right and um but i i think when i added your yes it didn't heal me but seeing bodies represented I, i mean even like the mannequins at target have shifted and I'm like, that is so helpful. Yes. That is yeah. so helpful. Absolutely. Right? Because I think, I think that, yeah, if your feed is, is just thin fit bodies, um, it's going to tell you a story of, of what you should be. Exactly. And even if you are that naturally cool, you still need to diversify your feed because um, there's still going to be a voice that tells you you should stay that. And what is that? Yeah. Or it's just, it depersonalizes you. So it's not going to inconvenience you when you, like when you go to the store, but what about your fat friend? What about your friend in a large body? If, if you're not actively having diversity in your life, then it's not going to inconvenience you and then nothing changes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, I think a sign of moving towards um, body image that is um, 
functional, functional body image is not, is, um, not thinking about other people's bodies. And that's the other, the other way I did it because as my feed become, may, became more diverse, I became less judgmental, right? Ooh. Cause I was letting go of judgments of others and of myself. Right. So, and, and so powerful. I think that, yeah. So I think that if you are still finding yourself judgmental of bodies, um, it's probably pointing you to your own work. Right. I think for me, it was always this like fear of confirmation bias, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm going to become the thing that I fear the most, as opposed to I can exist in a fat body and also live my best life. Mm-hmm. That being, being fat or being in a large body is not a death sentence, is not a, a, a social life death sentence, mm-hmm. is not uh, a respect death sentence. That there are people who love me, who respect me, who support my work, who support me as an individual, who, who like me, regardless of the vessel in which my soul is consumed. Yeah. I mean, if your body or my body changed tomorrow in one way or another, it literally wouldn't make me want to be better friends with you or, or worse friends with you, right? Like nothing, I wouldn't be like, oh yeah, now I want to be friends with Brie. It's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm friends with Brie. And, and if you do, it says way more about you than yeah. it does about me. And at the same time, we can hold, we can hold space for that suck. Cause I know, again, I mean, I know we've gone all over the place today, but like yeah. one of the things I hear from women, especially with dating is, Oh, guys aren't going to want to date me or people aren't going to want to date me because of my body size. And it's like, but do you really want to be with someone like that? Who is judgmental of you? And I get it. The rejection yeah. piece is still hard. Yeah. But that doesn't seem like people you want to associate with. Yeah. Yeah. And that feels, I know, yeah, we are, but I also believe everything is connected. So as, as we are all over the place, everything is connected, but you asked like, what was that like with Chad? Um, and I believe that many men are, 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 are good men who are not that shallow. Um, and I, I also would challenge people to really watch for body diversity in couples when they're out and about. Because it exists everywhere. Yeah. Like, like, like fat women are coupled. Mm. Mm. Right. Yes. Yeah. And I want to say just as much as, as midsize, I, don't get me started on midsize. Medium size. <laughs> well, yeah. Medium size. There's this whole like thing about people being like, I'm midsize and I don't fit in plus size or or yeah. size, and I'm like oh we're we're categorizing and trying to distance ourselves again I, I yeah I've got I've got lots of feelings about that <laughs> sorry um I'm here for it um but but I I just like I want I want people to challenge their beliefs by looking around at what they know and like yeah and and, and and it's probably not their body size that's getting in the way of dating it's probably their thoughts on <laughs> worth and Lots of things. And also COVID. So, yeah. I mean, yes. well, that's a real thing this year. Yes. To for all sure. of the people trying to date this year, it's not not a good time. Amen. <laughs> like, I feel like I could talk to you all day long. I'm going to have to have you back. I know I want to bring you and Sarah back on because uh, I just did your podcast. So why don't okay. you just tell people, plug yourself, where can they find you? Yeah. Where are you? Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm on Instagram as Millennial Therapist, just all one word, Millennial Millennial Therapist. And um, you can find my work at fullbloomcounseling.com. And you can find my podcast at Two Therapists in Therapy and be sure to check out Bree's episode. I'll make sure to include that in the in the show notes. Um, yeah, any any final thoughts that you want to leave listeners with? Um, you deserve jewelry, clothes, any body adornment to fit you and serve you, not the other way around. Wow. And I think I would echo that of you deserve love and respect and friendship and romantic love, regardless of what body size you exist in. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Becca. I really appreciate you. Thanks, Bree. Hey friends, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Body Image with Brie. If you like what you heard, please like and subscribe to this podcast, comment a review below, or share this link with someone you care about. If you share this episode on Instagram, be sure to tag me at Body Image with Brie so I can follow along with your podcast listening journey. If you're interested in learning more about my offerings, feel free to check out my website, bodyimagewithbree.com. Thanks for being here and until next time.